Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Welcome back to A Real Creature Feature. And today, we're going to be talking about the Mandrake. Now, Mike, what do you know off the top of your head about the Mandrake? I, I don't know much about Mandrakes, but I know a lot about Drake Man. Uh, Mandrakes are, from what I understand, according to legend, they are these humanoid-looking uh, roots that you can pull out of the ground, and they tend to be very writhy. A lot of it comes from, my knowledge comes from either traditional pop culture, Pan's Labyrinth, and or Harry Potter. But um, the thing about the mandrake is, if you, uh, if you feed it, it's supposed to have healing properties to help uh, heal the sick. Uh, in a lot of cases, um, but you usually have to keep it fed and you have to keep it fed and essentially happy in its situation for it to work. Mm. Uh, and Dean, how about you? Uh, Pan's Labyrinth and um, and Harry Potter, but I'll also sh throw in uh, Don't Starve, where uh, you grow mandrakes and um, you can pull them out of the ground, but when they scream, they knock you out. And if you eat them, your sanity lowers because you hear their screams. So, so they don't have, <laughs> so what's the point of even growing them other than the fact that you have to, you, that there can be a food that you can eat or do they serve any other I, purpose? They probably do. It's just, I haven't played it in a while and I was and I, I never experienced a good experience with them. Okay. Weird. Yeah, maybe it is like a last ditch thing. Probably, it's like in Minecraft where you could eat uh, zombie flesh. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, uh, our first stuff I found, uh, I just basically copy and paste from uh, the Britannica, and I'll have you read that, Michael. The Britannica sounds official and classy. Mandrake, genus Mandragora, genus of six species of hallucinogenic plants in the nightshade family, Solanacea, native to the Mediterranean region and the Himalayas. The plants are particularly noted for their potent roots, which somewhat resemble the human form and have a long history of use in religious and superstitious practices. Mandrake plants generally have short stems bearing tufts of ovate leaves. Often arranged in a basil rosette, the flowers are solitary with a bell-shaped corolla of five petals. They range from purple to yellow-green in color. The fruit is a fleshy, orange-colored berry. The plants are characterized by the long, thick taproot that is often forked. All parts of the plant contain tropane alkaloids and are considered poisonous. The best-known species, Mandragoria officinarum, has long been known for its poisonous properties. 
in ancient time, it was used as a narcotic and an aphrodisiac. What the hell? Yeah, they used at well, like just like now, everything's used for an aphrodisiac. Yeah, but I'm I have questions. Yeah, and it was also believed, and it was also believed to have certain magical powers. Spoopy. Its root was thought to be in the power of the dark earth spirits. It was believed that the mandrake could be safely uprooted only in the moonlight after appropriate prayer and ritual by a black dog attached to the plant by a cord. <laughs> Human hands were not to come in contact with the plant. In medieval times, it was thought that as the mandrake was pulled from the ground, it uttered a shriek that killed or drove mad those who did not block their ears against it. After the plant had been freed from the earth, it could be used for beneficent purposes, such as healing, inducing love, facilitating pregnancy, and providing soothing sleep. Mandrake is still used occasionally in homeopathic and folk medicine and has applications in modern witchcraft and occult practices. Oh, so Pan's Labyrinth actually kind of had it close to the spiritual aspects of it. Just gotta keep it in a bowl of milk. Yeah, which actually, yeah, a lot of alkalides and other things, I think, can be neutralized by milk. Yeah, because it would be a base. All right. Uh, the other part I just took from the Wikipedia for Mandrake, and uh, you can read that part. It starts with all species. Do you want me to keep going, Dean, or do you want to take it? I can take it. Okay. Uh, all species of mandragora con contain highly biological active alkaloids, tropane alkaloids in particular. The alkaloids make the plant, in particular, the root and leaves poisonous via anticholinogenic. Anticholinogenic? Is that uh, anticholinergic? Anticholinergic hallucinogenic, and hyponic effects, Hypno hypnotic effects. Uh, the anti-caloric properties can lead to asphyxiation. Accidental poisoning is not uncommon. Ingesting mandrake root is likely to have other adverse effects, such as vomiting and diarrhea. The alkaloid uh, concentration varies between plant samples. Uh, clinical reports of the effects of consumption of the Mediterranean mandrake include severe symptoms similar to those of atropine, uh, atropine poisoning, including blurred vision, dilation of, pup of pupils, dryness of mouth, difficulty in urinating, dizziness, headache, vomiting, blushing, and a rapid heart rate. Hyperactivity and hallucinations occurred in the majority of patients. Uh, so uh, that word was, yeah, anticholinergic. And that yeah. means... I was just about to ask. Anti yeah, anticholinergic medicines, shorthand for anticholinergics, are drugs that block and inhibit the activity of neurotransmitters. So yeah, very bad in many cases. So it kind of makes sense, though, the, the fact that you're like, you have to have a, a black dog pull it up by a cord. Because, yeah, I don't know enough about all those different chemicals to say, like, that you could get sick from it. But maybe if it's, like, from the roots being wet or something, maybe it'd be easier to absorb in your skin or any other thing. I mean, it's entirely possible that 
as you pull it, you know, even there, it's like if whatever liquids in the plant as it pulls out can be absorbed in the skin and anything that's going to shut down your neurotransmitters is not going to be something I would want to mess with, which leads to many questions. So if it's being used as an aphrodisiac um, and a narcotic, what are they doing? Are they cooking it down and then using it? So what was it? Was it homeopath? Uh, one second. No, no, I just couldn't remember because there's homeopathy. Homeopathy, yeah. Yeah. Do, 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 do. And I want to make sure I'm getting the right definition for it because there's one of them that's like, no, you don't. That doesn't make any sense for the definition. And I want to make sure if it's this one or not. Uh, homeopathy is an alternative medicine practice that was developed in the 1700s. Home homeopathy is generally based on two main principles that the substance that causes a symptom is a healthy in a healthy person can be used in a dilute form uh, to treat symptoms and illnesses the principle. So yeah, like cures, like, oh, okay. Okay. And, well, uh, uh, cause there is also another one where it's just like, if it looks like the thing that you want to treat, it'll help it. And it's oh. just like, what? Yeah. How does that work? So there is some kind of notion to the homeopathy kind of sort of, I don't, I don't really know well enough to say this is dumb or this is bad or anything like that. All I know is like, cause a lot of our drugs are yeah not good for us in high volumes. Well, no, there's very few things that are good for us in high volumes though. But yeah, yeah. But it's also, uh, there are different, you know, when you have low volumes, something you can have different properties. For example, my ADD medication, if I took a lot of it, it's and it's kind of derived from meth, but I don't take enough that it would actually do that. And also how my my brain is wired and a lot of people with ADD, our brains are wired. It has a different effect than other people's. Yeah. May I bring this? May I bring this up very quickly then? Um, Mandrake medicine is used to uses date back to ancient times with references to it being used as a cure for sterility. I can't imagine how or why, but there we are other than, well, if you're dead, you're not sterile anymore. Yeah. The root can be very toxic, but also used as an anodyne to relieve and soothe pain. Yeah. When it shuts off your neurotransmitters, that's really going to soothe that. It's really going to lessen that pain. I think I'll stick with something else. Oh, uh, you mean something else that also does that? Yeah, and I mean, won't. That's how pain relievers work. And won't and won't kill me, or at least yeah. has a, uh, and its support and its soporific properties, inducing sleep. Yep. Yeah, that's the sleep of the, that's the sleep of life, baby. Yeah, because it's like you know morphine. Yeah, does a lot of that stuff too. Same thing with you know heroin, which morphine is based off of. I can get ninety nine hundred milligram capsules. For 20 bucks. Oof. Yeah. But yeah, it's the fact that he also was talking about how it is a relative of um, Nightshade. Yeah. Or in the family of Nightshade. So it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense of how that worked out or how that they're connected and everything else like that. So I didn't really know how to approach this particular episode. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, you could have like, you know, the whole scream thing. Because I, yeah. I also, but I'm like, it's kind of, okay, it, it's able to produce a particular pitch that will yeah. shut your brain down, which 
I know that the military has been working on stuff like that. Like every military yeah. has. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't supposedly we haven't found it. I mean, arguably, that's the whole reason why they shut down the American embassy in Cuba. That was because of Savannah syndrome, which might, that one is actually really, really weird and confusing because they're there. It, it's either um, psychosomatic. Yeah. Or there is something or, or the fact that it was like it was so psychosomatic, like so psychosomatic that it actually is showing evidence because there was like uh, uh, on um, Super Duper Stitious, they hey, they were talking about this for like a very long time, like when it first started showing up. Yeah, they were t- reporting on it. And then uh, they were like, yeah, no, it's probably not this. But blah, blah. and then they were finding more and more articles about there. They're like, what the heck? I mean, you don't and then you name it out. Reason- yeah, name it after Havana. I mean, maybe people are, just stay away from Havana. Just go elsewhere. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, entirely racist reasoning yeah. behind yeah. stuff. But yeah, it was like always this interesting thing because it was like there was some kind of. I know for a little bit at least there was some kind of evidence, like in actual CAT scans, that something was being weird, like th- yeah. that somebody's their brains looked like they had a concussion. Weird, or something like that. And it was just like, what the hell is happening? But then they were then I was hearing that no, that that isn't true. So it's like, okay, depending on where you're getting your sources from, maybe it is a lie. But the basic idea of that one was that it might be using like a microwave transmitter or something like that. If yeah. they were ever doing that. The problem with that is so yes, you can use micro oh no, they, they have done this too in the military. They've used these different things that uh was on like future weapons, whereas basically this giant microwave emitter mm-hmm. that was that you can aim at a crowd to make them disperse oh. the problem with it is that it works yeah too well yeah it works really it works really well and it's like wait a second wait a second wait a second so a bunch of people are peacefully protesting and you're gonna shoot them with microwaves you're essentially going to fry people yeah that's messed up it, like in general just the idea of doing that to your citizens Ah, but it's better than uh, taking a fire hose and hosing them down with manure. Yeah, it is better than that. But also, you shouldn't be doing either. That's the main purpose. That's the main problem. It's like you shouldn't be doing either. Believe me, I've listened to enough NPR. I actually do know a lot. I do know a lot about this one. Yeah, but so I was like, okay, that'd be kind of cool, I guess, talking about a, a sound that could kill. But then I'm like, nah. Uh, so rather, uh, this is kind of be going to be more of a tr- two parts episode, in the sense that I'm not going to be I'm not going to be talking about uh, mandrakes. I'm going to be talking, focusing about like the idea of ambulatory plants, in the sense of like a plant that can move around, walk, and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, you know what? There's a great example of that. Ants from Lord of the Rings. What? They- yeah, but they take forever to get anywhere, man. Oh yeah. So, but. I didn't. I didn't want to just look at Lord of the Rings. I looked up uh, stuff from D and D, which they're uh, for legal reasons. They're not called ants in D and D. No, they're called tree ants. T R E A N T. Trants. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was looking up for the monster manual, uh, it didn't really have any kind of real definition or like in it. Like, uh, pull it back up. Uh, like the only information they had about it was like, uh. Their weaknesses, being able to awaken um, trees, pr- they like to protect the wild, but they're like, there's no like exact like talking about them. 
So I uh, I I play Pathfinder, and I was, so I just looked up. Uh, and in Pathfinder, um, they're not called tree ants or ants or anything. They're called uh, arboreal. Mm. A r b o r e a l. Arboreal are guardians of the forest and representatives of the trees. They're the Lorax. As long lived as the woods they watch over. Arboreals consider themselves parents and shepherds of the trees rather than their gardeners. Uh, consequently, while arboreals tend to be slow, methodical, they are terrifyingly swift when forced to fight in defense of the woods. Though they rarely seek out championship of the short-lived folk, as in elves, are considered short-lived by their standards. Yeah, that'll show them. And have uh, an inherent uh, distrust of change. Arboreals um, have been known to tolerate those who seek to learn from their long-winded rambling monologues. Basically, yeah, the ants. Yeah. Especially if their pupils also express a desire to protect the timberlands against those who threaten their realm, such as loggers eager to harvest lumber or settlers aiming to establish uh, croplands or a town. Arboreals, wrath is unwavering and devastating perhaps ironically arboreals are gifted at tearing down what others build ah it was i was like listen to um the dungeon cast when they were talking about the treants and it was just a really interesting thing like how they are also described was like they're a tree that one day like the best way to describe is decides to be able to walk around and like can think yeah and like by and by standards, I was like, and by long lived, I mean like ten thousand years old. Yeah, they can, and then they don't just die; they become another tree. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, can they become a treant again or what? But I, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh. So I I do I and I love the the idea of like ambulatory trees or moving trees. Yeah. Just not the trees from uh, Evil Dead. It's always interesting because, again, being such a long-lived species, everything for them, everything around them moves too fast. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I mean, they do a greeting. It takes two and a half hours. Yeah. Because that's also the concept that I love in, like, a lot of fantasies of, like, the um, immortals or the long-lived. Um, just the notion of time. So... It this is going to be going off a topic too, but the notion of time for perceptions because there's no such thing as like real linear time in many aspects because it's all based off for perception and stuff like that. So the best way you describe it is when you were a little kid, how long was a year? Oh, it was forever. Yeah, and older you get, the more you have to compare that time to. The shorter mm-hmm. everything feels. So the older you get, time goes faster. So, yeah, if you think about something that's 10,000 years old, the perception of time must be insane. Like, they, yeah, they like, you know, blink and somebody else is gone. Uh, it was um, this was a more recent in comics was with um, they were uh, Thor was talking to Captain America. Yeah. And he was like, hey, Cap, do you remember that time we did such and such? It's like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh. Or or this, and then it gives another example. It's like, yeah, oh, I don't. Wow. 
I don't really remember most of our adventures because I've lived long enough that they all kind of start blending together. Mm -hmm. So do you ever notice how excited I am when I see you? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's because you're still alive. Uh. I'm used to mortals like I come back and they're gone. Yeah. So the fact that I keep coming back here, you know, he's able to like focus in a, this point in time. He's just like, oh, that's terrifying for like, you know, the whole idea of like people were like, oh, I want to I want to be immortal. I want to live forever. Yeah. It sounds annoying, really. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't we don't have enough time in the day to appreciate it. You ever seen Highlander? It's a terrible existence. Yeah. That's the entire point of the that's the entire point of the immortals is they're literally trying to kill each other so they can win the prize. Yeah. And that prize, it's mortality with the knowledge of the cosmos in your existence. Yep. You have all the knowledge of the universe in your hand and all you want is mortality. Yeah. You're just happy to have it. All right. Are we still talking about ambulatory plants? Yeah, yeah. So uh I was so I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna start looking into plants that move. Are there on, any plants that move? Are there any real life plants that move? Yeah. That's not a positive yes. You know that, right? Uh Venus flytrap. Boo. They move. That, yes. Uh, they do move. You got me. Yeah. Boom. With your gotcha answers. Yeah. So the problem with it is uh the whole notion of what are plants made out of? They're made out of, you know, plant stuff. It's stuff that's not really meant for motion. Like no bones. Yeah, no bones, like nothing like that. So plants, all plants do move on some levels, especially like the uh the non-woody ones. Because if you think about like when they move with the sun. Yeah. And trees kind of do that too, but like in earlier stages, when they're reaching for uh, a more bright spot for their leaves to grow. Mm -hmm. it, it was also, uh, I remember somebody was, there was a post and like somebody was taking a picture and like uh, from below the canopy and yep. like, they were like seeing like a basic, like hexagon looks and people were like, Oh, look yeah. at nature. It's doing all this stuff. It was just like, well, no, it's just happenstance that it looks like that because it's just, why would you overlap with another tree's leaves? Yeah. Because you're just you're not going to get anything from it, so it's just a waste of material. Yeah. And uh, so, but then yeah, with trees and everything else, it's like they're made out of wood. They're made of really sturdy stuff that isn't really meant for moving. Yeah. And like how Venus flytraps work, it's like it's drastically different too. Because when you think about it, it's like oh, it's it's moving. It's it's closing its mouth. No. What it really is, it's basically growing the this modified leaf bundle into this particular shape that once uh, it has a trigger, it just shuts. Because like, yeah. think about it like have, having like basically something that's kind of like a spring, mm -hmm. an organic spring mechanism yeah. to just make, cause itself to close. And the thing can close fairly fast, like less than a second. Yeah, and I've all these things. Yeah, they're really, you know, really cool. But then also the sad thing about it is if you aren't don't play with a Venus flytrap. Yeah. If you're if you want to see them close, put something in there Yeah. because the moment they close, those are done. It's a one shot thing. Ah. So you basically are like tricking it and like starving it Ew. in many aspects. 
because they're like, ooh, food, blah, blah. But it's like, no. And uh, I think, what was it? The purpose of like a lot of these animals or plants and animals that like have these kind of mechanisms for like trapping animals, like pitcher plants and everything else. It's because of like the environment that they live in. They need that extra stuff because yeah. it's not readily available in the ground around them. Ah, there is a pitcher plant that lures small mammals. Yep, and mixed with its sweet honey and whatnot is a laxative. Hmm. So the the way the the animal has to sit to eat it. They defecate, and the plant and the plant uses that as nutrient. Yeah, fertilizer. Yeah, and it keeps and it probably keeps the animals around them alive. So it's not like depleting their resources. But then they are depleting the res- their particular resources because that then make that sap. Yeah, eh, give and take. But then also like you know other pitcher plants, they just smell horrible to attract insects. Nice. Uh, I have this entire this whole huge le- uh, thing that I printed out from um, EarthSky.org for Venus flytraps, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not gonna go over it because it's so. If we wanted to make an ambulatory plant, we would have to have it be drastically different than the trees that we have on our planet. Yeah, they would basically be as far away as our trees are to us. That would be fair. I mean, you'd have to have it have some sort of, well, not just to be ambulatory, but even there, it would still have to be able to, I feel at least, make more to sit, be able to have something of a brain. Because like you said, yeah. the Venus flytrap has just, it's a mechanic. Yep. It grow, it's grown to have that specific mechanic to do those things. You know, it doesn't think about the idea of, oh, fly, close it. You know, you put a pencil in that, you put a pencil in a Venus flytrap's mouth, it's going to just wrap around the pencil, yeah. you know? It doesn't, it doesn't recognize something as food, not food. It's, it's a koala, essentially, it, but everything's food once it hits the, yeah, once it hits the surface. Because uh, I was just remembering, like, there's hairs on roots, and, like, those hairs are sensory organs, basically, to help the uh, plant understand where, like, its orientation and stuff like that, because uh, I think if you like plant a, a something like you've done this in like science classes where it's like you put it upside down, the roots will orientate differently because of that. Yeah. And so it will it, it understands how gravity works on a fundamental level. Like yeah. this way's down. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but then also the problem with that, too, is because uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about this with the bioluminescence during the um, Holdra, not Holdra. Um, and the rope end. Yeah. yeah um where like you know when we were talking about uh, like making a bioluminescent tree how much energy that would cost to do that now also have to think about that with an ambulatory tree yeah uh photosynthesis is awesome if you're not going anywhere yeah i want to photosynthesize yeah but you're moving and so you're not going to get all a lot of uh, energy from all that stuff you're going to be, uh, you won't be able to get enough energy to function as a human being from just solar power. See, I can, I can not move for days. Yeah. So, um, that's where you would have it have a root system that circumnavigates the globe and then the plant just 
merges along the root vines. Follow- so a gas station? Huh? A gas station. That's basically what you're saying. It's a gas station. Uh, yeah. You're having no like nodes, like a, a gas node or a food node popping up every so often, so that Ooh. you could recharge. Neat. Yeah. Which yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That would cost a lot of energy and material to build. Hence, our problem with like electric power too is uh, our ability to move energy from one place to another. Yeah. Uh, what was it? It was about solar power. Uh, this was years ago, so like it's probably a little bit different now because every generation we get more efficient solar cells. Um, so, uh, a girl I went to high school with, or school with in general, because we knew each other since kindergarten, posted a thing about if we covered Arizona in solar panels, we could theoretically power the entire United States. Technically, that's true. The problem with that is that's not how energy works. You can't get energy from Arizona to Alaska. Yeah. It the wire our wires aren't efficient enough to do that. And it's it, it is that is a problem though for plants. Yeah. I mean, I mean we could get into a suppose a another fictional creature that stays very very still or used to up until a certain special edition came out. The Sarlacc. Uh, what? They? Oh, oh, okay. You mean because it it had the beak thing? Yeah, they gave it a beak okay, okay, thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I thought you meant like it actually moved around like uh anything else. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sarlacc in this in Star in Star Wars universe, Sarlacc, which is basically a weird hybrid plant animal. Yeah. Like that's how it's kind of described. And yeah. I thought it was more along the lines of. Antlion, uh, it's an ins where it was just an insect that stayed in one point, had a made a cone of sand, and when it sensed that uh, that something was falling towards its mouth, it could shoot sand and knock the ant down to the bottom of the cone. Uh, no, for the sarlacc, it's just a big old mouth. And that's always open, so it it just like things grab will sometimes fall in it, and yeah. it doesn't really need to participate in anything. Yeah. But then just... they gave it like tentacles and a uh, a mouth beak thing, so it or or its tongue, I guess, had a beak. If you think about it, I mean, because the tentacle thing was always in the original too, because it's yeah. the, it's the thing that grabs Han. Or yeah. the thing that grabs Lando. Lando. Yep. Yeah, sorry, you're right. It, yeah, and Han has to shoot it off of it. Well, which, he's still blind. Yep. I mean, honestly, the Sarlacc should really just be Tatooine's garbage dump. Well, kind of is. Yeah. Well, it was ja- uh, Jabba's garbage. Oh dump. yeah, but but garbage was people. Garbage was people. Yeah. Garbage was people. Yeah. He had a lot of pets. And I was or, people too. Yeah. They had a lot of pets. But uh, yeah. that's also the thing about ja- uh, Jabba's. The Hutt's biology is that they're hermaphroditic and they can yeah. switch. Yeah. And personality yeah. types, too, because yeah. when they're female and have a baby, they uh, are become super duper protective of their babies. Yes. And I wonder what happened to Stinky after all this time. Yeah, I, they never really talked about that. Uh, no. I, haven't, I also haven't looked into it because I was just like, yeah. he probably went to Hut Prime. Yeah. Uh, Hutta. Uh, uh, because yeah, huts are weird. They're also not slugs. Yeah, because they have a spine. Yeah, 
Look at the look at that beautiful baby boy. I know you can't see him. I'm just looking yeah. at the picture. No, I, I, well, I already know yeah. what it looks like, so it's like, yeah. okay. So, yeah, we will, yeah, if we want to design, we would have to have some kind of different analog for muscles and yeah. a whole bunch of other things because that's one of the things about plants is they're kind of also not responsive in the same way as us, too, because we have a central nervous system that allows us to feel pain and respond to something really fast, where in a plant, it's more general like i said before like with the hairs it's the hair is responding to the orientation of gravity not the plant itself it's a d it has yeah it's a decentralized nervous system basically and like how it gets its nutrients is basically using like capillary effect so a uh, capillary effect is used it's a interesting trick of water so whenever you ever like put a drop of water on um a surface and like you know it has that dome shape that's because of water tension and because so water likes to stick near water. Yeah. So because of that, a capillary effect is um, also how our uh, blood works. It like it's just this, this really, really thin tube that doesn't overcome the attraction. Like it's such a small amount that it just will actually work up against gravity. Yeah. So it goes up to the leaves where then it evaporates and then it just keeps sucking water up. By doing that and that's how it gets yeah. all of nutrients and also water yeah i think what makes mandrake so difficult period is there are actual mandrake roots they're yeah. a thing that actually exists in reality yeah and they're weird looking too yeah they do look like they look like a tiny like if you pull it it looks like a tiny it looks like a tiny person with big old legs i mean that's sort of the thing is it does look like a tiny person with big legs with a you know the leaves portion being like a head it's it is it's such a which is why i think you get so much legend behind this thing is you know because we want to see the pattern in ourselves so of course we want to give life to a thing that looks bipedal yeah that looks roughly humanoid yeah and it is not that it's it's a root it's a it's a poisonous root super duper poisonous this might actually be our shortest episode ever. Oh, probably because yeah. What it's... are we? What the hell do we talk about with a with this thing? Basically, okay. Can we? We're great. I'm going back to it. <clears throat> yeah. Mandrakes are extra dimensional beings. Did I talk about that before? Where it was in the magicians, the book. Uh, we probably did, but if you want to bring it up again, that wouldn't hurt. Yeah. So it was this kind of. It's this concept. Of uh, extra dimensional beings, because like, so if we are, um, uh, well, so we're fourth dimensional beings because we can, yeah. we perceive time and everything else, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, if there is like a two dimensional being, they can't perceive us because yeah. we're too, basically we're too big. Same thing with the one perception, uh, one dimensional being. Yeah. It, so that's the kind of the idea of like for a fifth dimensional being. But then if you think about it in many aspects where it's just like, this thing that's kind of coming out from a different approach. Yeah. Or like in the magicians, what they talked about was sometimes a bigger beast will bump up against our reality. Yeah. And, uh, or another idea that what I was thinking about, this was, um, a shark fin. Oh yeah. Some of the things that we see could just be a shark fin, but yeah. something that's way bigger that we can't understand is what's underneath the surface. Yeah. 
or another one is like basically a think a butt or a sock puppet basically a, a sock puppet that's walking around that's and uh there's something that's controlling it from a bigger dimension or yeah. higher up in a dimension yeah so or, like yeah so like they yeah it could be and that's why and that's always what i think about too with like other things like where it's like a root system that's kind of going down lower I, I know I jokingly say extra dimensional being for every one of these sense fairies, but honestly, it's like I didn't want, I was really trying to avoid doing that one, knowing how, what a challenge this one would actually be. Yeah. And that's why I was just like, I'm going to approach it with ants because yeah. that's the only way I can ever think about like how it could be is. Yeah. But then it has drastically different body structures than what we would be I mean, used to because yeah. it's it would be 100% alien to our way of thinking because yeah. it would be built with the same basic components of everything on our planet but it would look drastically different because yeah. plants are drastically different their cells are different than our cells hence why in biology class they have a plant cell versus a animal cell even like plants change and evolve this would have to be so far back. I mean, it would probably be it would, Trent's and Ents and all of those at that point would have to be hanging around with um, uh, with our super duper late, our super duper early ancestor. What the uh, what was that? Uh, was that Finn dinosaur? Well, I, w- I would also go with uh, the thing that was basically a giant salamander that walked yep. like that had weird feet. Yeah, that like just crawled out of the water. That level of ancestor. Wow, we're going way back there, then, huh? The, the tree, the tree got a taste of that salamander and was like, you know what? We should try this too. Yeah. Or it was uh, on Doctor Who with uh, the second episode with Christopher Eccleston. Yep. Um, oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that tree lady. Yeah, the tree people. I give you the air from my lungs. <sighs> and yeah, the tree people, and that yep. was a really interesting idea because it was like because it takes place for billion years in the future yeah there's enough time for that thing to have evolved yeah and that's the thing is too is like it does but did it evolve on our planet or was it taken from our planet and put in an environment where it eventually did evolve yeah or was it genetically engineered to be able to do that yeah four billion years it's a lot yeah i mean for i mean even it's kind of funny though like the the about doctor who they get to the end of the universe and humanity has essentially not changed in that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then also when they had, uh, when they introduced New New York, when they, uh, because they were like, yeah, after um, the Earth blew up, they had a revival. So all the different types of humans came back. And you're just like, yeah, there's so many different types of humans and subhumans and human-ish and human-like and human, all these other things that like that cat people, cat people that can mate with humans. So it's like, then they have the litter. I remember yeah. that episode. I really liked it where they're stuck in the eternal traffic jam. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And that, that guy's an Irish, uh, the cat guy was an, is an Irish comedian. I love that actor. Yeah. I genuinely love that man. I know. I, I can't remember his name right now. But I know who he is, and I do love that man. But yeah, that no, those notions of given enough time, because yeah, it's it's given enough time and enough monkeys, you can have a bunch of monkeys on a typewriter, like smashing typewriters, and they'll make uh, Shakespeare. It's the same basic idea. 
Or you put a bunch of monkeys in a room for a billion years and they turn into a tree. Look, I'm not saying it's high odds. I'm just saying it could happen. Yeah, because uh, that's also one of those things that you have to talk about. Uh, our mitochondria. We have mitochondria. They have chlorophyll. The structures actually look very similar to each other. They don't do the same thing, but they probably came about in the same mechanism of how we got mitochondria because mitochondria, in a lack of a better word, is an alien thing. It came from outside of ourselves and joined in with us. You know what I'm thinking about right now? Parasite Eve 4, the tree people. <laughs> well, this has been enlightening. We know. We now, well, I guess we can wrap though, because honestly, yeah. we're not getting anywhere. We're not going to get anywhere with this one for the, for the first time. It truly is just, we'd have to go for We'd have to go so far back on the evolutionary chain or push ourselves so far forward on the evolutionary chain. We ain't getting there. We ain't getting there with what we got now. No, yeah, no. It's just so drastically different from anything that we have that it's like, yeah, it evolved different and it had an analog to muscle. Yeah. And honestly, we're just, we don't really have that at best. At best, it would have to be a, even like, well, by any means, it'd still have to have something of a brain. Yeah. It, it wouldn't definitely not be able to scream unless it was. Unless the, it had lungs. Yeah. Which it probably doesn't. Or, I mean, the only other thing it would be is like, you get that. I always think about the sound of if you watch like a fresh tree breaking. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that sound as like the saps like stretch and as like the wood snaps and breaks around a tree. And also, um, and not Ender's Game, uh, Xenobiologist. Oh, z oh, Zen z oh, um, the the, oh, or the, the other Orson Scott card book. Yeah, the Speaker of the Dead and Xenobiologist. The, yeah, uh, where they talk Zenocide about genocide is what it is. Oh yeah, but genocide. That was it. The Pecan the Pecaninos. Yep, and they're um. That was in Speaker trees. of the Dead. He said both, but he he could only oh. think of Xenocide at the time. Yeah, but yeah, the like yeah the the tree fathers, yeah, where they can communicate, they can communicate because they can shift the size of the hollow inside them, so yep. it can make different sounds. I cannot believe it took us two hours and not one of us brought up Ender's Game at all. I cannot believe this. It is still Orson Scott Card, Rat Bastard. Mm -hmm. his Enders and Bean books, some of the most incredible writing I in modern times. Yeah, great coming-of-age teen books that were yeah. never written for kids. Yeah. What should we talk about next time? Um, well, I'm going to put it this way. Obviously, Mandrakes would be a... Mandrakes were a tricky one, but I'm glad we got that one out of the way. Yeah, because then I also got to talk about Ints. Do we want to go... Would we want to go local with the Hodag? Maybe go something... Slightly easier, but still interesting. Oh, my God. Thunderbirds. Which, that one's easy, because it's basically yeah. just a giant bird. Maybe we should skip that it one and come back to it later. causes storms. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's not do Thunderbird, then. How about we do something a little bit closer to home, then? Let's just do our big, weird, toothy friend, the uh, Hodag. Okay. Yeah, something that is legitimately 100% made up. Oh, yeah. I, no, do, I do like that idea. So it's like, it's something that's like, yeah. I, I can I can play with it because it's like the idea behind it is just so absurd. Yeah. I mean, we're close enough to Ryan Lander now that it's well worth talking about. 
and the Rhinelander Fest Hodag Festival has just become a big music festival. Okay. Bedtime. Bedtime. Well, shower time, then bedtime. Well, it was good having you, Mac. Yup. I will say this. I enjoy I enjoy being able to read out loud for people. Yeah. Same I here. think they enjoy my sonorous voice. Or Better maybe they my... don't. Better than my non-sonorous voice. Okay, people. We are going to start our first competition. If this goes well, we will hopefully have more and have more prizes that actually relate to us. Right now, our first prize will be a $20 Amazon gift card, just to see how well this works. How to enter. Basically, starting now, do one of the following. Tag us and two friends. Rate us on the podcast platform of your choice. Email us a screen grab of you suggesting us to your friends. Emailing fan art. And or videos of you just telling random strangers. These are all ways you can enter. Even better, you are not limited to just one entry. The more you spread the word, the more likely you are to win. Currently, we only have an Instagram, Facebook page, and an email. So, if you tweet about us or use TikTok, please send us a link. You have until March 26th. Thank you. Bye. A Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. Um, it was this is also in Dresden Files when they were talking about like him fighting like immortals or long winded or not long winded, uh, long lived peoples. It was like the trick to fighting those beings that are very powerful is to get them talking, to monologue, to do the evil villain shit because they will get lost in the moment because they're like, oh. I'm going to be able, I've had this time to think about all this stuff. And now I get to talk about it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it, what was it? It was one of the books where the person was like, you dare interrupt me. And then they start talking again. And it was just like, dude, this is how you get defeated. Yeah. <laughs> because you're not really paying attention to me. You're paying attention to what you want to say, like all this grandstanding, because you finally get to talk about it. Yeah. And it was just like, this is just an insane concept. Oh. Terry Pratchett, being the brilliant writer that he was, we just started. Uh, it just started listening to Reaper Man, which is the book where death is about to retire, and it opens with the with consider the Mayfly, whose life is whose life is twenty four short hours, and then it's two Mayflies uh, talking to a younger larval pod of Mayflies saying. We used to have better sun. We used to have a better sun than this one. 
not all these like dark reds used to be like yellows and oranges when we were young i was like ah i love that idea because yeah sunset yeah uh the other thing with biology speaking um mayflies and like other animals or insects that only live for like after they uh pupate into their final form only live for like 24 hours yeah they have no like digestive system they don't eat at all yeah no but i think some of them like don't even have like a mouth there's like uh butterflies that once uh they have to eat everything before they transform yeah and it's because yeah their entire purpose of that life stage is to reproduce oh that's it so they just get rid of all the extra stuff interesting yeah so yeah if they don't mate then they die because they starve to death that's a that's a life wasted my friend yeah well there's like uh there are certain animals that they can only reproduce once yeah because then then they die <laughs> salmon being one of them yeah uh, i think some some cephalopods i know that and a bunch a bunch of things a bunch yeah. of animals do that there's some i don't know if it's all octopus but it's like some species i know uh that the males will um make it like a packet of sperm yeah and then they'll rip off their arm and give it to yeah. uh the female and it's because the females are also i'm pretty sure yeah. bigger yeah and it's like a way to placate them because the yeah so that they don't get eaten yeah I, yeah again it's hard it's i don't know if it's yeah it's that same thing of i don't know if it's all species or just some species of it as it should be. 